Hey, this is Craig Dills from Media. This is DJ Kaya. This is Elliot D'Souza. Hey, this is Jason D'Souza from Aldona. Hey, this is Nash Lobo from Aldona. This is Pascal D'Souza from Calgary. Hey, this is Roland Almeida. Hey, this is Roland Nasparenas. Hey, guys, this is Ron Montero from Lopelin. Hi, this is Roy Fernandez from Donna Paula. This is Ryan D'Souza from Cola. Hey, this is Steffi DeCruz. Hey, this is Tony Nazareth, and you are listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to the GSL. The GSL. GSL. GSL Podcast. And you're listening to the GSL Podcast. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the GSL Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 4. Hope you guys are all doing well and enjoying some World Cup soccer, but more on that later. Uh, On today's episode, we have some news to go through, a big announcement about the podcast itself, and then, as usual, we'll get into some match recaps and a player profile. So who will be mentioned this week? Tune in to find out. For now, let's jump right into the news. That's right. Unfortunately, I have some sad news to report about the podcast. After three seasons and over 6,500 plays, the podcast will be coming to an end at the end of this season. The truth is, next year I become a chief resident in my program and will be incredibly busy operating and studying for my Royal College exams to make sure that I have a job and 14 years of school doesn't end in an absolute disaster. So, Unfortunately, this will be the last season of the GSL podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening and all the supporters that sent in fan mail, everyone that gives me feedback or talks to me about this at the games or sends me messages. It's truly been an honor, but I'll do more of a thank you and sign off at the end of the season. But what that means for you is take advantage. This is your last year to get your shoutouts in, get your player profiles done, uh, score some goals, get your names on the podcast in any way possible. And really take advantage this year as I'm hoping to go out with a bang and have a great final season this year. Unfortunately, we do have another injury to report. This one goes out to Sherwin Marshall, who suffered in the last minute of uh, Sunday's game against Donna Paula a torn hamstring. He was evaluated by physicians at his local ER hospital who diagnosed him with a partially torn right hamstring that will require at least four to six weeks of recovery. So devastating news coming out of the Aldana camp about Sherwin Marshall and our thoughts and prayers go out to him for a quick and speedy recovery. And after two pieces of depressing news, thought we'd end up on a funny note. This latest GSL rumor coming in is that the return of one Roland Mascarenas to the GSL. Could this be possible? Obviously, a blood relative of mine being my older brother. However, I won't shed any insight onto this rumor, but I will give some context for you. Roland played in the GSL for almost 10 years, always playing on Aldena. However, He then moved to Mumbai uh, to pursue his career there. However, there are some rumors circulating that he might be returning to Toronto this summer 
on a part-time basis, maybe just coming for a game, maybe just showing up to watch a game. There's a lot of rumors circling around. And one of the big news is that it might not be with his former team. Could he be joining the dynasty of Lotalem? Could he, you know, be teaming up with Croydon on Aguada, maybe going to Donna Paula, give them some steel? Who knows where he could end up or if he's even coming at all. But this is just one of the rumors floating around in the league right now. With that, that ends our news segment, so let's jump into some match recaps. So as we start up the match recaps, I'd like to welcome back to the studio our co-host Keegan Morais. Keegan, how's it going? I'm good, Wendell. How are you? Good. Uh, we have some interesting games to get into today. Uh, before we get into the match recaps, I just wanted to ask you something general about the World Cup, since I know a lot of our listeners are obviously diehard soccer fans and have been watching the World Cup. Have you had time yourself to watch any of the games live or later on? Uh, I have had a chance to watch a couple of the games live. Uh, the games have been pretty interesting. What struck me the most is even some of the weaker teams are you know, defending and playing really well, which is you know, something I've seen in previous editions of the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. And um, the timing of the games is difficult to watch because like, they literally start and end during the work day. So unless you have a flexible job or your people at your work are watching, it's kind of difficult to watch them live. Personally, I've been uh, taping kind of the good ones and trying to watch some of them as much as I can. Uh, but it's, it's, I find it's been in a really entertaining World Cup so far just because you can't really predict the results at all, but in a good way. Uh, some of the games, you know, they're more defensive. And some of the teams are really disciplined. I think it's kind of showing that even the weaker teams have such great defensive discipline. But there's been a lot of great goals, a lot of free kick goals, a lot of exciting last-minute winners. And overall, I think it's been a good World Cup. Yeah, it's definitely shaping up to be a great World Cup. And hopefully that continues in the knockout stages as well. Well, this is the only fear I have is because there's been such uh, shocking results in the group stages already. Um, they can have a drastic effect on who finishes where in the group. So, you know, your favorites will still probably get out of the group, but they might get out as a second seed. So what that's going to set up is like a lot of amazing round of 16 games. But then that means that, you know, the later games, maybe some of the quarters or the semis might not be as entertaining as they could have been if all the top seeds finished first in their group. Yeah, but it's always good to have some upsets and some underdogs in, in the quarters and the semis. You know, teams like maybe Uruguay or, or Croatia get in there because they have a lot of talented players and we're so used to seeing, you know, the Germanys and Brazils. Uh, it's good to see some, some new blood and, and some new talent on the world's biggest stage. Yeah, it's also nice for these new countries to, to progress really far just because you, you can just tell it means so much more to their home nations, especially like the diehard countries. Actually, Uruguay and Croatia are great examples of teams that have always been good but never like great enough to go really far so even if they just went on a deep run to the semifinals, i think it would mean a lot to those home countries is there a Absolutely. particular team that you're supporting uh croatia uh you know i really like the way they play i like their midfield with uh rakitic uh and modric so i'm, I'm hoping they go deep at, at least to the semis oh wow I don't, I don't think I know anyone supporting Croatia. That's pretty solid. Personally, I'm, I'm a Brazil fan. It's not because I'm a bandwagoner, just because like it was the first soccer team my dad ever introduced to me when I was young. So I grew up only in Brazil and watching them. So I always support them. And I think it's been a while, you know, 16 years since they won. So they're due to extend their lead in the World Cup race. But anyways, <laughs> enough about the real professionals. Let's get into the semi-professionals, a.k.a. the GSL. Let's start out with last week. We had a game on Tuesday. And uh, loyal listeners will know this was between Aguada and Margo. And 
both of us had kind of mentioned that this would be a real telling game for both clubs. And I, I personally predicted Marga was going to come out with a win and just make a statement saying, you know, we're back and we mean business this season. And that's exactly what happened. Margao with the victory, 4-1 to one over Aguada. Uh, my insiders tell me, actually, Aguada got the first goal pretty quickly with a beautiful chip from Clayton DeMello from distance, chipping the keeper and getting it in. So Aguada went up one nothing pretty early on, but Margao fought back as resilient as they are with two goals from Dwayne Lobo Perez and two goals from Gregory D'Souza. So a couple things jumped out at me right away. Uh, but before we dive deeper into the goal scorers, what do you think about this result as far as Margot uh, getting the win 4-1? Well, good job on the prediction first. Uh, not an e easy result to call, but I think it's a, it's a massive result for Margot. and really states their intent for this season. It looks like you know they've already obviously put in a lot of time and effort in the offseason and strengthened some areas of the game. And uh, they'll really push for the league title and the playoff titles uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, so currently in the standings, Margot is sitting second, um, just behind you guys. And I agree. I, I think this is a really, really good victory for them. They need to kind of iron out victories against the top teams. You know, ten, they have a tendency to tie some big games um, or sometimes lose in, in really, really tight scenarios. But getting a big win like this 4-1 is a really, really good result for them. And I'd like to highlight Dwayne Lobo Perez here because, you know, two more goals from him. He's already scored a lot this season. His name keeps popping up. We already know him as a perennial all-star and one of the Leeds' leading figures, and we've talked about him many times before. But this is a very impressive goal return early in the season. So do you, can you think of any reason for why he's had such a great goal return so early, or is it just kind of par for the course for him? Yeah, I think he's, like I mentioned uh, in, in one of the previous episodes, he's playing higher up. Like when we played against them last week, he pretty much played as a, as a main striker. So that's one of the reasons. And the other thing is they don't have that uh, like uh, too many other attacking threats. So a lot of the scoring responsibility falls on him, which he's you know, taken up, obviously. So we'll, we'll definitely see him leading the scoring charts this season. Yeah, so very impressive by him. Tough result for Aguada. Um, I know that they're constantly missing you know, their starting lineup players and usually only have one or two subs. But at the end of the day, there's no excuses because that's, that's the way their team is. So that's the way they have to adapt to and they have to learn how to play that way if they're going to be competitive during the regular season. Uh, moving on to June 15th game, we had a close game between Colva and Donna Paula with Colva getting the victory 2-0 with goals from Ryan Santiago and Nikhil Cadbet. So overall, a great result for Colva. I think they needed this win. They needed kind of a bounce back and just get uh, a win under their belt. And for Donna Paula, once again, unfortunately, a close loss, but staying competitive and staying close in these games, and I understand it was a hard-fought game from what I've been told. So from a Colville point of view, getting the job done, I don't think there's too much to say regarding this result. The only question I would ask you would be, for Colva, um, they seem to do well against the, the lower-ranked teams in the table, um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm struggling to find a consistency in their play. You know, one, one week they're losing... Uh, to a top team by multiple goals the next week they're beating a lower team the next week they're tying a lower team it kind of seems all over the place for them so what do you think they should really be focusing on right now should it be taking on the lower teams and just cementing themselves as a mid table team or should their focus be on challenging the upper teams and trying to prove that they belong in the upper half of the table uh, before I, I speak to that, I just want to quick, give a quick shout-out to Ryan Santiago because apparently his goal was uh, really nice when he scored from a free kick about 35 yards out 
in terms of Donna Paula with a young team, it, it's hard to establish that kind of consistency. It takes some time. So, you know, they got to try to grind out results with the teams in the lower end of the table and just try to stay in games longer with, uh, you know, with the teams at the top, the top of the table. Okay. And from a Kova point of view, um, also, I was actually mentioning some inconsistencies with them as well. Uh, what do you think for them, from their point of view? Should they be focusing on the top of the table or the bottom of the table? Oh, they should be focusing on the top. They they have the skills and the talents to be there. If they can just put like a consistent performance each week, uh, they should be able to stay in most games, assuming they have a full team and, and they, they defend well throughout the game. Okay, and that brings us to... Actually, we'll talk about Kova's back-to-back game. They played on the Sunday as well versus Bogmalo. This game ended 1-1 uh, with goal for Bogmalo by Naga Adrian Ryaverpu. I swear this guy must listen to the <laughs> podcast because... Ever since I called him out for his name being difficult to pronounce whenever he scores, I swear, this guy scores all the time. Um, he seems to be a legitimate goal threat uh, this past season and uh, this current one because his name's popping out all the time. And then goal scorer for Kova is Jeremy Pinto. But Jeremy Pinto is kind of becoming like the website version of, you know, unknown scorer. Like it's always his name that's the goal scorer, but then you find out that it wasn't him that scored. So I don't know if maybe he's the moderator for the website or has a connection to the website because <laughs> his name is always popping up as the goal scorer. And then who knows, maybe this week once again someone will message me saying it wasn't actually Jeremy that scored. Um, so 1-1, and this is kind of what I'm talking about, Colva inconsistent. Like They get a good result against Donna Paula. Facing Colva, I would expect it to be a close game, but I would really expect Colva to win. I did hear that Colva was awarded a penalty that was saved by Mickey, uh, the goalie in Bogmalo. So that was a huge turning point of the match to keep it tied. Um, I also know that from the game, they were they, they ended shortly after ours, and you could tell Bogmalo was really celebrating. So I actually thought Bogmalo had won this game just based on their reaction. They seemed to be really clinging on at the end, and Kova was pressing. So maybe I guess they were clinging on for a tie. But how do you analyze this result between the two, a, a final score of 1-1? Yeah, I think it's a big point for, for Bogmalo for sure. Uh, Kova, you know, again, playing on Friday, playing on like two games in a week might have affected them a little bit. Uh, from talking to some people, I heard they had a lot of chances uh, that they didn't, uh, they didn't, didn't convert. And, you know, that, I think uh, JVD hit the post on the penalty, which was unfortunate right at the end where they could have stolen the points. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a result that you've got to find a way to grind out and, and, and get the three points because, you know, Bugmaro is a team that Kova should have beaten. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Uh, we'll get into penalties uh, with a future game um, as it was involved in our game and kind of the strategy behind that. But uh, great result for Bogmalo. Uh, getting a much-needed point on the board. I do feel like Colva will feel like this is some points dropped, as you mentioned. And unfortunate that JVD didn't uh, step up and bury that penalty. Uh, moving on, the earliest kickoff on Sunday was between Lotalem and Margao. Final score of 0-0, and a couple of things to note about this game. First of all, in general, I would think it would be a close game between the two teams. Just they're always hard-fought games. There's always close scores. Um, but Lotlam, I noticed uh, when I was watching this game, was well, you guys were missing a large group of players. Um, there were some people starting that you know normally don't have such large starting minutes. There was a lack of a bench. Uh, Titus was playing in net. There was obviously a goalkeeping situation there. So just from a personnel point of view, this was Margo's golden opportunity 
to to get a victory, get ahead of you in the table, kind of ride that momentum. So, what happened here? How did you guys manage to tie zero zero? Yeah, we were definitely missing some starters, uh, including our goalkeeper. So, like Nick Green and Jason played, you know, center defense, which is not their usual position. So, we had a lot of people playing out of position. Uh, but we pride ourselves on that, and you know, we have people that can fill different roles, uh, even though they're not used to playing them week in week out. Uh, we started off the game really well. Uh, we had good possession. We were able to create a couple of chances. A little bit sloppy in the final third, uh, for our liking, where we you know didn't set up clear cut chances. But their team, like they pressed us really hard. They were really organized, and uh, they had a full complement of substitutes. And in the second half, that made a big difference. Like the last 15, 20 minutes, like we were out of gas because we I think we had one sub maybe, but they they were pretty much dominant the last 15, 20 minutes, and we were able to hold on for a point. Yeah, so it just goes to show you can't always look at a result and and judge it just based on the score, especially during the regular season. During the playoffs, I don't care what you say. All that matters is the result at the end of the day because it's a knockout and you just want to win. But during the regular season, sometimes there's more important things on the line. For example, in this game, uh, the resiliency of your team and also, as you said, shifting players around into positions they're not familiar with. Yeah, you could argue that that's hurting their development because they're not getting used to a specific uh, position that they need to start in and play in the important games. But I would also argue that in playoffs, sometimes there's injuries or people can't show up and you have to shift someone or maybe someone's playing in a defensive scenario when they're not used to that. So if you have someone like you're moving your striker, Nick Green, back to central defense against a very tough team as Margot, and he's able to you know keep a shutout and thrive in that role, it means in the future, let's say he's forced to play more of a defensive midfielder role or forced to slot in because someone gets injured, he'll have a little bit more experience there. So I do think there's value to having this diversity and, and being able to shuffle people around. From a Margao point of view, um, really disappointing tie for them. I, I think they're going to agree that they this is a win they really, really wanted and really could have gotten, especially with you guys missing players. So I think they'll be kicking themselves after this game. Yeah, probably just a little bit. They, they, they had a couple of chances too, uh, just because we had different people playing different positions. Our communication was not as clear, and they had a couple of chances that they didn't take. So they probably regret that part for sure. Yeah, definitely. So good point for you guys, 0-0 zero, zero, uh, between the number one and number two teams. So we'll see if that affects the results at the end of the season. Moving on to our last game was between Aldana and Donna Paula. So this was uh, my first time playing against Donna Paula this year. And right off the bat, I want to say <clears throat> shout out to their team for being much improved uh, from last year and the year before in a couple ways. First of all, they seem a lot more organized. Uh, I found in the past they were kind of haphazard, like a lot of people running all over the place and not really assigned their positions. This time it seemed like people had set positions, they were playing their roles, they had good shape. Um, so that was a positive for them. The second thing is um, they started having a little bit of an attitude near the end of the game, but not like in a bad way. Like in a, you could tell it was they were getting a little chirpy because they really felt like they should be in the game and they wanted to win. They, they felt like they were just as equal in the game. So. Nice to see that their confidence is definitely building. I currently find um, that their 80% of their team seems to understand what their identity is and their positions and what they're supposed to be doing. But I still do feel like 20% of the team is still trying to catch up and get familiar with the team because you do have those occasional moments where it seems like the player is not really familiar with what role he's supposed to be playing or what style of football they're playing. So I think 80% of the team is getting there and 20% um, needs to catch up as well. I'm not sure if you guys have played Donna Paula as of yet. No, we haven't yet, so I haven't had a chance to experience that. But just from overall, you can tell from looking at the numbers, they've only conceded seven goals in the four games they've played. 
which is quite impressive for them. Yeah, exactly. And they previously last season, you know, they would have one game of eight nothing or something like that. So it's a it's a great uh, great defensive effort from them so far. I think that has to do with their kind of shape and their solidity and, and understanding their positioning better now. A couple pointers though. Obviously, there's always room for improvement. The first thing is getting everyone on the same page, and the second thing is still using that youth. I find that they're um, they're passing. They're trying to play a possession game, which is very difficult to learn, but a good way to learn. So I'm happy with that, but I still do feel like they don't use their youth or pace as much as they should. Um, they could use it to try and maybe exploit the wings or pressure the ball a little bit more. I did find that that was one of their weaknesses. But overall, in this game, when we played them uh, in the first uh, half, we were very dominant. I personally had a number of wide open shots outside the 18 year box that I did not convert. So I was feeling pretty bad about that. Uh, went into the half 0-0. We kept trying to apply the pressure, but honestly, they were building more and more momentum. But for us, uh, we had a chance on the left wing with Raymond Fernandez sprinting down into the box and touching it by the goalkeeper and getting taken out. So a penalty shot was awarded. Uh, their goalie didn't argue it. Our team knew it. It was kind of like just one of those things where everyone knew what was going on. So uh, I stepped up to take the penalty. And just in general, when it comes to penalties, uh, as you know, it's, it's all mental. It doesn't matter what anyone says. Penalties in pressure situations or in the playoffs or just in general is 100% mental. If you ask someone to pass the ball into the net from you know, 8, 10 yards away and it's in practice, you can score 100% of the time if you know what you're doing. But in that moment, it's just the pressure builds up and you have to deal with it. So from a personal point of view, I like to just kind of check out the net, see which side I feel like putting in, make a decision and just go with it no matter what. And if the goalie saves it, more power to them. So luckily, I was able to slot the ball in. One nothing was the score. <clears throat> this is the part of the podcast where I'll insert the MVP chant drop, obviously. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, what kind of goal celebration were you going to have this year? No, I don't have a new drop. I'll just keep going with the MVP <laughs> one. I think, I think people recognize that best. That's pretty funny. I like it. Um, so one nothing to us, and then they kept on applying pressure. Very good free kick near the end that was along the line, but great uh, running save by our goalkeeper Ryden Pereira to keep it at one nothing. And we escaped with the victory, but honestly, didn't feel that comfortable about it. It wasn't like a, a an easy one nothing victory. It was a very hard fought and uh, shaky one nothing victory. So we were happy with that. I think they were happy with their performance too, and you could tell they really felt that they deserve something from the game, like at least a tie, which is a great feeling after the game. It means you played your hardest. And probably could have done better. So I actually look forward to you guys playing Donna Paula. I think that's going to be one of the biggest tests because if they're trying to play a possession game and you guys play a possession game, it could you know it could go very ugly very quickly if they're not able to keep up with you guys. So I'm looking forward to you guys playing them as well. Yeah, I think we're playing them the second week of July. So yeah, so it has enough time for them to build up some games, some yeah. experience uh, heading into that game. And just to add about the penalty piece, I know you said it's 100% mental. I also think it's mostly mental, I'd say 90%, but 10% of, you know, practice and muscle memory also really helps. Like if you've practiced, you know, going in both corners and then on the day off, you can decide exactly, you know, where you want to slot it. It, it makes, a, at least for me personally, when, I, when I've practiced it, I feel a lot more confident going into the game than if I just uh, walk into a game and have to take a penalty without having practiced, you know, the week before or the weeks leading up to it before. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I never thought about it because you're right, it's become muscle memory, but you actually, you get to the level where you don't actually think about 
where you're placing it. You're more just picking a side and then your body and your leg kind of knows what position to take to pass it into that corner or shoot it on that side. So that's actually a good point um, that I didn't think about that it just becomes kind of trained in your body, which is definitely definitely a feeling for it. Like the professionals, it's not good enough to just pass into a corner sometimes. You actually have to put pace on it or, or actually kick it top corner. So for them, it's a lot of muscle memory. Um, luckily in our league, I think usually if you can put in a corner, you're going to score. But that, that's a very good point that I hadn't thought of. Um, but that brings us to our uh, final segment of the episode, which is a player profile. And actually sticking with Donna Paula. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I, uh, I spoke with one of the players after the game. I really wanted to make sure to get his name, number 20, Vance Abreu. And for those not familiar with this name, uh, to be honest, I wasn't fam familiar with his name either until we played them and I really got a good look at him. He's a young player. He's relatively new to Donna Paula. And he's a very exciting attacking midfielder. Um, he was playing mostly in the middle, sometimes on the wings, but really on an attacking front. And what I liked about him is his energy. He has a lot of energy. He's constantly running around, trying to put pressure on our defense, trying to make things happen. Um, so I really liked his energy and his enthusiasm going forward. Um, as far as you know, player profile, we always try and talk about people's strengths and weaknesses. One weakness I did find was assertiveness uh, with the ball in the final third. I find he was great at winning the ball, uh, deking around players, attacking in the final third. But then when you get around the box or near the net, he wouldn't use that final touch to take a shot or really develop that final chance. So I think that's something he could work on going forward. And I think that was something he was mentioning to his teammates as well. Because there was one opportunity he was right in the box and he easily could have shot it. But he kind of dawdled a little bit too long on the ball. So my question for you, Keegan, I know you haven't played him yet, but... You've played striker in the league. You've played center attacking midfielder in the league. You've also played you know, a lot of other defensive positions that we won't go into. But from a purely offensive point of view, what advice would you give to Vance in general from an offensive point of view? And then more specifically in our league, what should he work on and what advice could you give him? Uh, the first thing I tell him is enjoy the time now when you know people don't know your name and you can kind of run freely and make runs and score goals. Because once everyone gets to know that you're a good player on your team, like you can double and triple teams, so enjoy that now. Uh, but overall, just you know, you want to try and build your confidence because you know when when it comes to scoring goals, confidence is a huge part of it. Uh, and and practice for me makes a big difference. So when you're confident, in practices like you know you want to practice your finishing and take shots, and then you want to do the same thing in the game. Because when you're not confident, you go, you end up looking for a pass when you're outside the box as opposed to you know taking it on your own, maybe taking on a defender and taking a shot. So just work on those attributes. Try to you know make sure you can finish with both legs, and that really helps chances of scoring. Yeah, that's actually really true. We we try to have a policy in our team that we'll never get angry ever at someone shooting the ball. All we ask is that you try and put it on target. Because the truth is, in our league, you know the amount of shots taken on net is way lower than it should be. It would lead to way more goals, way more rebounds. But as you said, people get around the box, they overthink it, they try and make an extra pass, they try and get on their better foot. Um, it's very difficult if you're one-footed because everyone kind of figures that out and they always block that side. A good defender will always block that side. Usually it's a right-footed. And I actually love what you said about enjoy this time uh, when no one knows your name. Also, when you're young and you're energetic because I, I can completely relate. When I was younger, you could do whatever you wanted. Everyone just thought you were some young punk. And then as you get uh, a name in the league and people know who you are, it's kind of the point where even just in this example against Donna Paula, um, their goalie, their defender was pointing at me and saying, D this guy's not allowed to shoot. Like, do not let him shoot. You have to follow him around. He's not allowed to shoot. Which, although it's nice as a challenge and you feel like flattered that you're getting recognition, 
it also becomes a real pain in the ass when it comes to the game getting <laughs> open and actually getting, you know, goals. It becomes way more difficult. Absolutely. You have to work so much harder to get open and, and, and to get touches. So much harder. And that, that was actually one of the points we had discussed earlier about Steven Fernandez this year coming off, you know, 22-goal season MVP. Will he be able to do it again? Because everyone knows now this guy is a lethal goal scorer. You need to man assign him. You need to mark him. So it becomes so much more difficult. But Vance, this was a shout-out for you. Obviously, we haven't helped that now because we've talked him up and everyone will know about that. <laughs> but that's the price of being uh, on the player profile. So congrats to Vance for being this week's player. And that actually wraps up this episode. And uh, we're looking forward to a lot more great games coming up in in June and July, and, and the World Cup will continue to give updates on what we're thinking about that as well. Keegan, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, I guess we'll see you next week. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. All right, that wraps up another episode of the GSL Podcast. One last error and omission from the last podcast. I was approached by one Byron Correa of Aldena, who requested that I clarify that the goal that Richard Fernandez scored against Bogmalo, the first goal, was actually a through ball by him, and the assist was credited to him. He uh, was very happy with the through ball he provided. And to be honest, it was a beautiful through ball. So I apologize for not giving him proper credit. Byron, this one goes out to you. Thanks for the clarification. For everyone else, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks to Keegan. Make sure to message in your player profile recommendations, your shout-outs, your emails, your analysis, everything. I really want you guys to enjoy this last summer of the GSL podcast. And I want to keep it as interactive as possible as always. So look forward to hearing from all of you. And that's it for me. Tune in next week for a brand new episode.